Hi, hello there, and welcome back to the Clubhouse with Mariano Bufamonte. I'm your host, Mariano. As always, I want to thank you guys for coming back if you've been here for the past two weeks. If you're new here, thank you also for showing up now too. We have a lot of things to get into today, and like we've been doing, we're going to hit all my favorites, including the tech update, screening room, main stage, Netflix top trending, our controversy of the week, or who said that, a positive story and a helpful hand of hope, and always lead out with what shows we're going to be recapping next week so you guys can follow along as well. This week, we're going to be talking about Million Dollar Listing LA, and you guys get to hear which one or two, actually, two of the agents I hate on the show. And I mean, honestly, by now, you guys should have guessed that I have a problem with something that we're going to be talking about. So no shock there. Also, we're going to be talking about Dating Around Season 2, Episode 3, which I really enjoyed watching. So I'm excited to talk about this one. Um, We're also going to be talking about cancel culture because I think this week was probably a record in the amount of people Twitter tried to cancel. Um, So we're going to get into that as well. I feel like it was like a weird week on the internet. Everybody like... Everybody pulled the trigger and then asked questions after. There was like a lot of accusations. There was a lot of allegations. um, And we're going to talk about it because obviously I have some thoughts. But anyway, without further ado, let's get started. First up in the tech update, Microsoft announced that they are closing all their retail locations. They will, however, keep open their stores on Fifth Avenue in New York City, London, Sydney, and their Redmond campus, but they're going to be transforming them into these reimagined experience centers. So whatever that means, we're going to find out soon enough. Um, But they actually were planning on doing this next year, but COVID kind of pushed up their time frame a little bit. I was always somebody who wondered why Microsoft had brick and mortar stores. I never remembered Microsoft having stores and then all of a sudden they were just like sprinkled everywhere. Um, Anyway, they're going to be gone again soon enough. So doesn't really matter at this point. Next, Disney Channel will no longer air anywhere in the UK after not being able to reach an agreement with their two cable provider platforms they show on. Instead, they will be moving all their Disney Channel content to Disney Plus come October 1st. That's actually crazy when you think about it. Imagine not just go with me on this one. Imagine you're sitting at home, you're bored, you can't, and you live in the UK, you can't just flip to the Disney Channel and start watching Wizards of Waverly Place. Now, I don't do that. Me, myself, I'm not somebody who does that. But for the people who do, that fucking sucks. Anyway, in some rumor news and to round up the tech update, um, it seems like Google is working on a way to show what businesses are calling you and why through their phone app. So do you remember the, and I'm talking to myself, but um, do you guys, when you hear this, do you guys remember the Android 11 beta we were talking about? So Android Central, which is a blog website, went searching around in the code and they found something that leads them to believe that Google is testing out a way to show consumers a business's name, logo, and the reason they're calling before you even have to pick up the phone. 
That's pretty awesome and very convenient because if you don't want to answer the phone, declined. Next. Let's move on to the screening room. Um, so first off, before we really get into the screening room, I have to apologize. I made the most dire mistake of mispronouncing Hadassah and Astrid's name incorrectly last episode. I called them Odasa and Ingrid. Don't ask me where those came from because I literally have been watching them for a season and a half now. So not sure where Odasa and Ingrid came from, but I would just like to apologize because those are two names I shall not forsake. Unlike everybody else, I don't really give a shit, but those two names deserve some fucking respect. So I apologize formally. Next, let's get into the Dating Around Season 2, Episode 3 recap. The episode's name was called Diva, which uh, they name every episode after the dater that they're going to be spotlighting. So this was absolutely phenomenal. It was warm. It was charismatic. It was heartbreaking, heart-wrenching, emotional, calming, transparent, well-produced, which is probably my favorite part of the show. It was an absolute beautiful take on the dating world. So first off, let's talk about the format. Each episode is focused on one person. In this recap, obviously, we're going to be talking about Diva. The person is going on five blind dates in what seems to be one night with the premise that the person gets to pick only one of the blind daters to take on a second date. So the way the episode kind of works in the beginning, they all meet up for drinks. Then they move on to dinner. After that, they go on to after dinner drinks. But at that point, the dater knocks off two other people. And then finally, they take lifts back to their place. The way they edited the show, and the only reason why I say it seems to be happening all in one night, is because Diva's wearing the same clothes the entire time, but she has drinks, dinner, after dinner drinks, and lifts with every person. And the way they edit the show is that they all intertwine with one another, rather than being one after the other, after the other, after the other. It's an absolute spectacle to watch, and it feels as though it's a great way to compare and contrast immediately how Diva is reacting to one date versus the other. So I like it. On the back side, I don't know how they're really doing it. The technical side, I don't really care because it looks great on my end. So I'm the consumer. That's what I'm looking for. Anyway, let's get to the dates. Um, so Diva meets up with Tor, Ruben, Maria, True, and Brooke. Ruben's date starts off strong, but the connection never really seems to come between him and Diva. Brooke is cool, but Diva says she sees them more being friends than anything else. True is a fucking weirdo. Listen, everybody can, you live your best life. You do whatever that means for you. But this guy's fucking weird. He was talking about, he was trying to make the comparison that people who kick puppies are more likely to not share their food. <laughs> what? I think he was trying to make a joke, but it 
it he just continuously proved that he was fucking weird he likes to be in polygamous relationships with only bisexual women but the women cannot be in relationships outside of him that my friends is called sister wives a great show on tlc this is not that bitch please go there instead and he was married by the way also he was married um he was clearly a total creep but i do love how deva kept the date going longer almost to see like how deep-rooted his bullshit is and oh did we hit the jackpot on some fucking weird shit next we have ruben him and diva bonded over their new york roots and he was really quirky but he was confident about it so that was that was a highlight for him um but diva tried to meet him halfway but she couldn't it felt like she was settling for him. Like he wasn't, the spark wasn't there and she shouldn't have to settle. So she didn't, which brings us to the absolute fireworks of the night, Diva and Maria. Oh my God. I want to start this off by saying this Maria section by saying, can I please be invited to their wedding? I would like to be invited to these people that I've never met before's wedding. Thank you for your service. The way that Diva was acting and reacting to Maria just showed that like, okay, here, here it is. This is chef's kiss. Her body language opened up in every scene Maria was in. There was an intellectual and emotional bond that they were creating with one another. And it showed physically in the way that Diva was interacting and presenting herself when she was with maria if you couldn't tell diva picked maria for her second date and that is actually where the episode closes out so you don't really get to see anything past that first interaction let's say um but it makes the show leave off on like a such a great question mark because it just kind of shows like this show isn't for that. It's just to say, I'm dating around, this is what it is, and um, take it as you will. I really liked the vibe of the show. The concept is nothing new or inventive, but it's the way they present the information and the dialogue between the daters and then also the dialogue that the show actually creates when you're watching it that's the game changer and why i'm so invested in this show and these characters um the clipped shots going back and forth between the different daters showed us how diva was reacting to the same situation but with one thing different the person on the other end it let diva do the talking in that way rather than let's say doing cut out talking heads or creatively editing herself or her words after the fact i said this last episode when i mentioned that we were going to be recapping this the show really feels like you're just sitting next to a girl who just happens to be having five different blind dates in one night and along the way you get to know her just enough through this I guess, collage of images. And I absolutely love it. I'm definitely going back for more. 
All right, moving forward. Let's do two quick little follow-ups from last week. Stasi is having a girl. She announced on Instagram that is she is having a girl. Um, I don't know if any of you peeped this, but her Instagram post of the gender announcement was her most liked Instagram picture. Um, so that was interesting to me. And she had many Bravo celebrities commenting underneath as well. Something I just wanted to mention, um, take of it as you will. Sometimes I don't feel like I need to give my interpretation. I feel like sometimes the way that I say things are coded enough. Um, but then also some things I just want to, you know, mention, drop, and then just leave there. So that's what I kind of do with her. Just like enough to say it, to not let it go, but then not enough to really like harp on the situation. MTV announced that there will be a season four of Jersey Shore Family Vacation. However, no word on the premiere date or who will be in the cast, which is something that we talked about last episode a lot. They actually had one of their highest rated episodes with the season three finale. Next up, Kylie and Kendall are doing a makeup collection together. So uh, it's going to be called Kendall by Kylie Cosmetics or Kendall by Kylie, some shit like that. Anyway, it's going to fucking sell out. We already know all this. And I'm not sure if you guys saw on my Instagram story, but I posted that that Kylie basically turned her entire basement into a Kendall branded fucking club. Um, she said it was because they weren't able to do a proper launch party. So she decided to turn her basement into a Kendall club. Um, and if you can't, if you didn't, you know, if you couldn't tell, um, it's Kendall club and club is with a K, of course. I think it was fucking sick. I think if they have that much money to do that, like last month, everybody was like yelling and screaming that, She's not valued at a billionaire. Bitch, she don't need to be valued at a billionaire. She don't need to. If she could afford to do that, it is enough money. She does not need the proper evaluation if she can do that. So, like, be mad to yourself. Um, also, Scott and Courtney might be back together, which is probably the most normal news we've gotten this year. And I actually have to say, I'm surprised that it's taken me three weeks to say something about the Kardashians. It is their off season, but are they really ever off? Does Chris ever let them sleep? Anyway. Brooklyn Nine-Nine is reportedly changing directions of their new season in response to the Black Lives Matter movement. Terry Crews said that they filmed or wrote, I think it was actually wrote four episodes already, but they are basically scrapping them and starting from scratch. I don't think that this means they're necessarily changing the tone or the comedy of the show, but rather utilizing their platform to help the current situation. And to that, I say kudos to them. And I respect it very much. Netflix announced that Lucifer will be having its final, final season after the show was canceled not once, but twice already. Once on Fox in season three, and then they moved to Netflix, and then they were canceled in season five, but then they were like, nah, let's do like one more. So now we're at season six, and supposed to be, as of right now, their last season. I've never watched 
Lucifer, but the show has such a strong cult following. and eh, cult following, get it? Cult, Lucifer, Satan. I hate myself. Um, It has such a large following, it's hard to ignore it. Everybody who watches the show seems to love it. I don't think I'm going to get into it though, but just something I wanted to say. In casting and recasting news, because I know that's why the three of you come here to listen to this shit, just exclusively for casting news, Real Housewives of Dallas started filming last week. I never really got into this franchise. I always thought that Brandy and Stephanie were funny, but Leanne was clearly a mental case and everybody on the show kind of like let her run with it. And Leanne knew people liked it, so she just kept it going. At least for me, I see through it with them. I don't know why it really matters because it's a reality show and everybody does this shit. But for some reason, they just don't get that pass with me. Um, And clearly, I am the authority on all things reality television. So if it can't pass my benchmark, obviously it's trash. Anyway, it looks like they started filming season five, and as everybody knows already, Leanne will not be back for this season. I don't know if they ever said officially why, but obviously I'm pretty sure whether spoken or unspoken, it's because she said racist shit last season about the new girl, Carrie. Supposedly, Stephanie, Cameron, Deandra, and Carrie are back with two new wives, Jennifer and Tiffany. Word on the street is, though, that Brandy might not be returning, and Carrie Duber has been seen filming more. So my theory is that if Brandy's out, they're going to bring back Carrie Duber as full time. But time will certainly tell because as everybody knows, our little fame whore housewives post everything they do on social media. So we'll be able to figure it out soon enough. Next, Jenny Slate is giving up her role as Missy, who is a half black, half Jewish character on Netflix's Big Mouth. She's obviously giving it up because she is not a half black, half Jewish person. And Kristen Bell is giving up her role as Molly, who is a mixed race character on Apple Plus's series Central Park. And Kristen Bell obviously is not a mixed race person. Questions of why these two were picked to voice these characters were brought up when they were both announced to be voicing these two characters, but now they are finally doing something about it. Good for them. Um, I'm not sure why they originally thought this was a good idea, but Kristen Bell is Anna from Frozen, so I can't contractually, because, you know, my soul has been sold to Disney. Um, I can't say anything bad about her name because Frozen is my shit. Um, so I'm just happy that they finally made the right changes. Also, Central Park makes me want to go down the Apple Plus path, but I feel like I'm going to regret it because the selection there is so abysmal. If anybody has any insight on some good stuff that I can also watch on Apple Plus, I would actually greatly appreciate some recommendations. And finally, in casting news, Elizabeth Banks has been casted as Miss Frizzy in the live-action adaptation of The Magic School Bus. Um, wait, wasn't, wasn't there a redo with Kate McKinnon? Oh, no, that was um, Netflix, and she played the sister. Oh, that's interesting. They should have kept Kate for that instead. Um, moving forward... 
A quick update on the Friends reunion. They still are trying to have it released by the end of the year, and it will definitely not be scripted, which is interesting. I feel like I would want it to be scripted, just like to be almost like a quick journey back into that world so we can, you know, swoop in, see what everybody's doing and kind of get those warm and fuzzies that way. But if there's anything I don't do is question Lisa Kudrow. So I'm going to leave it in her hands because I know that's the safest place for this concept and we'll all just have to wait to see what happens moving on to the million dollar listing la season 12 episode 2 recap so the gang is back for season 12 with josh and josh working together on this 25 million dollar ultra sophisticated ultra tech mansion uh, Tracy is getting ready to sell her home now that her divorce has been finalized. And Tweedledee and Tweedledum actually sold a really nice house in a offshoot area. So let's get into it. Starting with the least interesting people first, James and David. They have a house that their developers spent way too much money on. So they have to pull out all the stops basically, which is handing out some flyers, doing an open house to get the place sold. Um, Honestly, if you can't tell already, I don't like them. They're weird to me. They speak at a really weird pace. I don't know if anybody like hears that. I, I, I don't know, but it's like, I feel like I need to wash my hands every time David is on the screen. And what's interesting, and probably the only interesting about them, is that they work at the agency, which as everybody knows, is Bravo's resident stoner dad and husband of Beverly Hills Housewives OG, Kyle Richards' husband, Mauricio. Um, so that's really probably the only reason why I'm not sending letters to Bravo um, demanding them to fire the both of them. So that's like the silver lining of them for me, at least. Next up, we have Tracy. So Tracy invites her team over to her house, which looks like an absolute mess with painters, construction workers, plastic lining all over the place. After sitting her team down, she breaks the news to them, if they couldn't tell already, that she's going to be selling her house. She plans on listing the house at $25 million, which is a shock to me. Not because I didn't think the house was worth that much, because the house is fucking beautiful. But I didn't realize Baby Girl was that loaded. She got that money. Okay, Tracy, I see you, girl. Okay. Um, anyway, I always love Tracy and it only gets better with her as the episode continues, which leads us to the Joshes. So Josh Altman and Josh Flagg have co-broked, which by the way, I'm not going to be using the term teamed up like they did 72 times this episode because I play my age and it's not 12. So I'm not going to do that. Anyway, they listed this fucking piece of our mansion that you can literally watch power sailors from your kitchen in the morning, which is sick. I need a lot of money so I can do that as well, because that's something that I never, I never knew that I needed that. But now that I saw it, it's like, that is where my journey is supposed to lead me to. Um, anyway, so they throw a fanciest party. They invite brokers from all over LA who have international buyers to come down and preview the place for their clients. 
Um, Josh and Josh have been mainstays on the show for so long, for the longest actually, out of the current cast. And it is so rightfully so. Their personalities separately are wildly entertaining, but together they're even fucking better. I would love a season of just them working together the entire time. They have such a comical, weird dynamic that is fucking amazing. Flag is like Altman's punching bag, but also like a stiff man, like a straight man in their comedy. And then Altman is the butt of every joke Flag pulls. But but in the end, Altman dies laughing every single time. As the episode closes out, the Crumpet Kids try to confront Tracy. David was literally shaking when he was trying to say something to her. Like, I'm sorry regardless of like your personality or like if I don't like confrontation like okay you're on a show like you're on national television people can see you your hand is literally shaking out of your fucking pocket so they try to confront Tracy about her possibly talking shit about them at a listing appointment to which everyone basically says yeah like that's what you're supposed to do and this is reason 63 out of 720 five as to why I don't like them. Anyway, everyone ended up laughing at them and then talk shit about them to their faces this time as well. So I hope they didn't get offended or if they did, I really don't care. Um, David had a tear in his eye. Tracy and the Joshes started doing body shots off of each other and the episode closes out. Just kidding about the body shots. Not kidding about the tear. All right, let's go to the main stage. So, Billboard 200 Top 10 and Hot 100 Top 5 and Bottom 5. Like always, we're going to go over those entries. So, for the week ending in June 27th, we have at number 1 on the Billboard 200, My Turn by Lil Baby. Number 2 is Chromatica by Lady Gaga. Number 3 is Blame It On Baby by DaBaby. Number 4 is Hollywood's Bleeding by Post Malone. Number five is Dark Lane Demo Tapes by Drake. Number six is High Off Life by Future. Number seven is Wanna by Gunna. And I've literally done that every week, so I just have to keep it going. Number eight is Eternal Atake by Lil Uzi Vert. Number nine is The Goat by Polo G. And number 10 is After Hours by The Weeknd. Moving forward to the Hot 100, ending in again the week of June 27th. We have at number one, um, I don't want to, I, I'm just going to say this for the number one slot. Congratulations, Nicki Minaj, for your second number one. You didn't need to do this song. The end. Number two is Rockstar by DaBaby featuring Roddy Rich. Number three is a new entry, The Bigger Picture by Lil Baby. Number four is Savage by Megan Thee Stallion featuring Beyonce. And number five is Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Going down to number 95 is All In by Lil Baby. Number 96 is a new entry, The Man Who Loves You The Most by Zac Brown Band. Number 97 is One Night Standards by Ashley McBride. Number 98 is One of Them Girls by Lee Bryce. Number 99 is July by Noah Cyrus and Leon Bridges. And number 100 is a new entry for J.I. And the song is called Need Me. Moving on to new music releases. So there was actually a lot of single releases this past week. g Easy also dropped an album. Um, I listened to a majority of them. So I'm going to give you a little notes about 
my favorites and the highlights. So first off, g Easy, I listened to his song, All the Things You're Searching For. And as much as I liked the song, I love and respect Halsey more. So fuck g Easy and moving forward. Love released a EP. Love is one of those emo boys that everybody loves. I like his music. I It's light, you know, it's light. It's something to have on in the background, smooth. Uh, so yeah, give it a listen. Next, we have my girl, Megan Thee Stallion, released Girls in the Hood. Um, the hot girl is fucking back with some hot shit. Um, I love her so much. Her energy is just, let's have a good fucking time. Fuck everything else. So stream the good sis, please. Next, we have the What's Poppin' remix by Jack Harlow, featuring DaBaby, Tory Lanez, and Lil Wayne. Trevor Daniels and Selena Gomez released Past Life. So Trevor must be another one of those emo boys like Love is, but I like this. This was a good, I like it. If you could count on anything with a Selena Gomez single, it's that it's gonna be a bop. Maybe not the best vocal stylings, but always a great hook and a great beat. They did that, your honor. Paul Wolford and Diplo released Looking For Me featuring Karen Lomax. Usher's back with I Cry. Kenzie and Sia released Exhale. Charlie Puth released Girlfriend. I like Charlie Puth's music. It's very poppy, but he has a very distinct sound for himself that makes it unique. And Girlfriend, the new single, is no exception to it. It's 80s vibes inspired, but I, I and I enjoyed Little Bo. Chris Tomlin teamed up with teamed up with Thomas Rhett and Florida Georgia Line for Thank You Lord. JP Sachs dropped Hey Stupid, I Love You. DJ Snake went full blunder for Trust Nobody. Jonas Blue and Max released Naked, which was very good, I must say. Tinashe remixed Hopscotch off her most recent Songs For You album with They. We also have When I'm With You by Cascade and Colette. And lastly, Heaven On My Mind by Becky Hill and Signala. In Billboard news, Chloe and Haley debuted at number 16, so congratulations to them. Just a little perspective, their last album peaked at 139 on the Billboard 200. So this is awesome for them. Congratulations. I fucking love the album. They deserve it. Lizzo makes history by becoming the first artist ever to receive nominations at the BET Awards for Best Female R&B Slash Pop Artist and Best Female Hip Hop Artist in the same year. No male artist has ever done this either in the corresponding male categories, so kudos to her. Kanye West and Gap announced that they have signed a 10-year deal that will be a collaboration on a new collection called YZY, or Yeezy, I'm pretty sure is how they're planning on pronouncing it, that will be out in the first half of 2021. And honestly, this is exciting. Um, Gap is known for their basics, like their white t-shirts or their good jeans. And obviously Kanye is known for his streetwear touch and futuristic combinations. So seeing what this launch will look like is something I'm personally looking forward to. Moving on, um, and honestly, I've been waiting to get to this one since we first started today. I'm not sure if you guys saw, but this week on Twitter, Cardi B cancel parties started trending. So a little background on the situation. 
some weirdo created a fake account that was supposed to act as though Cardi B had a Finsta account. A Finsta is a fake Instagram. Um, and the account was talking shit about Nicki Minaj, Ariana Grande, Doja Cat, Megan Thee Stallion. Um, Cardi caught wind of it and she went on Twitter and Instagram with receipts, letting everybody know it's bullshit. Um, which leads me to my next point. Because everybody was so ready and willing to cancel Cardi without her even saying anything. It wasn't until after she said something that people backed off. Cancel culture needs to be canceled. It doesn't work and it's not right. This week alone, people tried to cancel Cardi B for this. They tried to cancel Justin Bieber, Cole Sprouse, Lily Reinhardt, and Ansel Eldorf, Ansel Eldorf, whatever the fuck his name is, for possible sexual assault allegations. And they also tried to cancel Jimmy Kimmel, Tina Fey, and Jenna Marbles for doing blackface in their past. Now, I'm not saying what, what they allegedly did wouldn't warrant their platforms being taken away from them. However, there's a fine line between canceling somebody and holding them accountable for their actions. And before anybody tries to do either one of them, either trying to cancel them or trying to hold them accountable, they need to find the facts first. They need to know if it's actually true. Regardless of their fame, they're still people and it's fucked up. Imagine if your job or your family or your friends just tried to throw your ass away because you possibly said something wrong or someone's accusing you of something. Honestly, I was going to go into each of their issues and discuss them a little bit, especially Justin Bieber's because he's actually taking his to court. He's trying to sue each of the claims for $10 million each, which we can get into it, but that like kind of like is a problem of itself. But anyway, I was going to go into these issues, but half of them got proved to be fake and the other half, the people profusely apologized and at least to me proved that since whatever they did wrong happened, they've changed and become much better people for it. Jenna Marbles, for example, she when she did blackface, it was years ago. And it was um, Nicki Minaj she was dressing up as. Um, and she did a video recently basically saying that she's going to shut down her channel and that she feels as though she doesn't want to ever make anybody feel like she's trying to to offend them and she's actually been privating a lot of her old videos that might be problematic so she goes on to say hey listen guys like i feel like that i yes i was wrong i did the wrong thing years ago but if you watch my videos you'll see from when that happened i'm a completely different person and i've realized my mistakes i've realized that i did something wrong and that's why i think the disconnect is for a lot of people the world needs more empathy in it. We need to be able to see the other person's side. We need to be able to have the conversation with them rather than jumping to immediately quote unquote cancel the person or or just basically make the world think that they're these horrible people. You need to have the conversation first with the person being included in the dialogue. And I think that's where the cancel culture doesn't necessarily work so i just wanted to take a second to really talk about that and now i think i'm ready to move forward for today 
let's get into Netflix top trending. So this week on the trending now, we have The Order, again, Sweet Magnolia, again, Selling Sunset. Why is it, why is the trending now been the same for so long? There's Eurovision that's new, which is Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams' new um, movie. And actually people are saying it's really good and there's like a lot of little cameos throughout. So if you're into that kind of stuff, I love little cameos. So if you're into that, um, go for it. There's Imposters that's new, which is a Bravo scripted show. Um, Dead to Me still here. And if you guys are keeping score at home, this is the third week that I am declaring that I will start Dead to Me and didn't. Um, how about we change trending now to the top 10 in US today? So hopefully it's fucking different every week instead of the same shit. And at least we'll be able to make fun of different things. Um, so number one is Eurovision which we talked about already. Number two is Floor is Lava, which we talked about last week. It's like a summertime game show kind of thing. Number three is Athlete A. What's this? This document focuses on the gymnasts who survived USA gymnastic doctor Larry Nassar's abuse and the reporters who exposed USAG's toxic culture. Oh, wow. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. All right, Netflix. All right. I'll give it to you. Uh, number four is 365 days. Get out of here. Number five is the order. Number six is the nut job. Are you serious? This is really on here. Oh my God. Fuck yeah. Um, number seven is feel the beat, which says after blowing a Broadway audition, a self-centered dancer reluctantly returns home and agrees to coach a squad of young misfits for a big competition. Okay. All right. Okay. Number eight is Crazy Delicious. Number nine is Gaspar Knows Love. And number 10 is Home Game. So a few different ones. I think I like doing this better. I like doing the top 10 instead of trending because there's new things there, at least this week. All right, moving forward to who said that? So this is actually another little rant of mine. So I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go for it. Billie Eilish is getting shit from people for allegedly posting or reposting a picture on her story saying to let her know if she's following any abusers and she's going to unfollow them. People are butthurt because they're saying she either didn't unfollow certain people or she did unfollow others that allegedly aren't abusers. Honestly, I think this is allegedly a fucking mess. All Billy was trying to do, at least from my perspective, is say, hey, if I'm following any dickheads I shouldn't be, I'm not going to anymore. So let me know and I'll unfollow them. People need to just relax sometimes. The girl literally built her platform on telling people, hey, maybe you should stop judging others. And then sure as shit, everybody's trying to judge her by saying she didn't do something or she did do something that she shouldn't have done. Like, leave her alone. Leave Leave, leave Millie alone. And uh, by the way, she now unfollowed everybody on Instagram. So now she follows no one. Hmm. Maybe homegirl was being a little deeper than everybody realized. And by abusers, she actually meant everyone because y'all are fucking annoying. Moving forward to, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what the deal is this week. Everybody just was like on edge. Like they were just 
ready for a fight and like it's like kind of reflecting in this episode so like I'm sorry for the hostility but like I just needed to like I don't know I just felt like everybody was ready to rumble like we are not in West Side Story relax guys put the knives away anyway let's get into the helpful hand of hope which again it's like this one too it's like I'm gonna make it positive this is gonna be a positive story but people I know are gonna be oh are you serious like keep it to yourself okay let's get into it Disney World and Disneyland have announced that they are redesigning Splash Mountain to be based on The Princess and the Frog instead of their 1946 film Song of the South because of the racist themes and images in the movie that also are reflected in Splash Mountain. Honestly, I like this idea a lot. Um, I imagine some of the Disney diehards, which I also consider myself one, will be upset by the change. Hopefully not because they still want racism to be shown at Disney, but because it's Splash Mountain and the legacy that the ride has. But I feel like it's an honorable way to update the ride and almost flip the controversy on its head by using Tiana's movie that featured the first black Disney princess as the theme of the ride. So third or second, I think second kudos of the day goes to Disney for this one. Very happy with this decision. All right, let's lead out. So next week's topics, I mentioned last week about recapping Schitt's Creek, and I think we're going to take the jump. So next week, we're going to be recapping Schitt's Creek season one, episode three. I might have fibbed a little bit and said that I was in Schitt's Creek, which technically I am. I finished two episodes. So we're going to be talking about episode three. And then, in honor of Real Housewives of New York coming back after a three-week hiatus, it's only fitting if we recap their amazingness. And also, because I'm a crackhead and I've been dying for my weekly hit of Dorinda, so we're going to do it. So next week, we're going to be recapping Real Housewives of New York, Season 12, Episode 13. All right, and that is all I have for you guys. So I want to say... Like I said before, this week was kind of like a hostile week, and I hope this was kind of like a little breakdown for you guys so that we can kind of like talk about it, address it, and then move past it almost. I want this to be a safe space of sorts, and I know it sounds like cheesy and stupid, but like I just want to talk about bullshit here. I just want to talk about bullshit, and I just want to recap it and make fun of it and let's just do that together so as always thank you for coming thank you for having me and andy i'll see you soon